0: Dear Mr. President, come come take a walk with me. Let's pretend we're just two people, and you're not better than me. I'd like to ask you some questions if we can speak honestly. What do you feel when you see all the homeless on the street? Who do you pray for at night before you go to sleep? Welcome
1: back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Boer. And today, Bill, we are revisiting things, as we always are, though. We always have a tendency to sometimes begin again at the beginning.
2: Well, there are maybe only a few really important things to talk about, and we keep finding our way, hopefully, back to those. Uh, And um, the truth of the matter is we only know a little bit what we're talking about anyway, so it's nice to take another shot at it. And there are some things that are important to talk about. And some things that are huge. Huge. <laughs> and there are some things that are not important to talk about, but they're just so darn fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. I, well, are
1: America's best days behind us? Well, it depends. Because we have a chance to make the country great again.
2: We do have a chance to do that. Um, I, I, You know, uh, all seriousness aside, <laughs> I, I think that... Um, there's always a tendency to over-exaggerate the problems of one's age and probably over-exaggerate one's virtues. I think there's something, you know, not, that's not all wrong. Because uh, if you're not living in the time you're at, if you're, if you're not where you're at, you're nowhere. So I think there's, you know, there is a tendency and and uh, to see the good and to see, feel good about the accomplishments. I also think there is a tendency to romanticize different times, uh, to exaggerate uh, the current problems. Uh, that's, isn't that the whole nature of rhetoric? I mean, there's a whole belief that uh, logic lost to rhetoric in this current time. So facts don't necessarily matter. Does logic ever beat rhetoric? I don't think so. Oh, I think, I think there have been times where it's been held to a higher, higher esteem. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, certainly, in, unless the dialogues, you know, unless Plato's just bow, blowing smoke. <laughs> Play, but Socrates didn't win,
1: though. He was trying to Rhetoric beat. Rhetoric beat. Yeah, in that instance, Socrates uh, was definitely the loser.
2: Sh- men do prevail, where strong men often fail. Wow. Yeah. This is true. So last episode, we talked a little
1: bit about just the nature of where we are
2: Right? That's what we talked about. Yeah, we did. Are we,
1: are we in a wasteland?
2: Right. You uh we were musing on T. S. Eliot and other things.
1: And other things. So we were talking about following up to that uh following up on that conversation.
2: Right. right.
1: So part two. Are we in a way a lot's
2: happened. Maybe we weren't in a wasteland. Things have gotten better, right? The new polls make us all feel better. Exactly. Now I, I think um well you never you never generally know of your civilization as collapsing in the midst of it. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a tendency to, to not really necessarily know uh, what's happening around you. I mean, that gets back to the exaggeration, both good and bad. Um, you know, I have, as a historian, um, I don't really romanticize the past. I find the past really interesting. And the great thing about looking at the past is you get to pick and choose the best of what you want uh when you're living, that's not quite what you get to do you have to the good comes with the bad I mean, you and I have often commented that uh pain relievers uh antibiotics refrigeration uh, there are there are a lot of great things about living in the in the modern world you know it was really interesting one time in the when I was part of a Jewish christian dialogue um one of the Jewish scholars said, you know there's a tendency for Christians to sometimes uh bemoan the enlightenment. But as a Jewish people, we're really happy that the Enlightenment happened. Uh we're really happy happy that a greater secular spirit uh won over. Uh and I think that's again, that's a matter of perspective and uh and what we can and cannot appreciate.
1: I like the Enlightenment, just as a as a note. I'm a fan. Yeah. Well although, you know, not an uncritical one. Yeah. I
2: well. I go back and forth. <laughs> on the Enlightenment. <laughs> I go I like back that. and forth on the Enlightenment. But you know, it depends on what day. You know, when if, if you're for uh liberty and fraternity, you know, if you're for those wonderful ideals, one week that looks pretty good. The next week you could be in line at the at the guillotine. So uh and that was all same part of the Enlightenment, friend.
1: This is true. This is true. These are all these are all although maybe the British Enlightenment is a little more palatable and that it's a more of a gradualist movement. It's not trying to recreate human nature from the ground up.
2: No, but how much of the British empire was fueled by that kind of, I mean, it may be, it may be not so hot if you're (laughs) one of those colonials. Which we were. Yeah. We got, we got out early though. (laughs) (laughs) That's why
1: everybody says, you know, they say Obama is, anti-colonial ideology. I thought that's good. I thought we weren't we were against we, we didn't want to be a colony anymore. <laughs> Aren't we against colonies?
2: It's it's like it's like people who are who are saying it's it's American to follow the rules now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually American to break the rules and to start revolutions over things that uh now would would seem not quite as grievous. Um uh, unless you're you know unless you're certain segments of the population.
1: It was really interesting. I was just listening to something that, a, a conversation Krista Tippett did on her sh- show on being between Jonathan Haidt and another guy whose name escapes me, but it was in New York at the Natural Museum of History. And... Jonathan Haidt was remarking on the fact that he's researching. We've talked about him before, moral psychologist, but right now he's in, he's doing research on capitalism and like its origins, its nature, its development. He's basically like, I can't believe I've been an educated person this long and know nothing about capitalism. I wonder how many academics. how many, uh, He he's basically we know so little about this system, uh, and he was basically saying that he thought that. Basically, in high school education, they should do away with all math past algebra, because even if you're a scientist, you don't need it, and replace it with you know uh statistics yeah basic economics th- study capitalism and Absolutely. and psychology courses yeah, <laughs> and you uh, said well, if people were trained that way because he was just saying how like one of the things he was saying that's ironic about about The nature of capitalism is liberals hate capitalism right they keep like you know this corporations and 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 the capitalist system they ran about it it's evils but the irony is it promotes liberal values the more capitalism it spreads throughout the world the more people want women's rights uh, more fair elections they want better environmental standards they want so he said you know i actually he said you know if you are really think that Humanity is 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 really dark. You just have too high of a standard for humans. I mean, we're an amazing okay. s- species that's tweaked ourselves. It's amazing what we're capable of.
2: No, I, again, I, I would you know, f- free markets are part of the idea of the freedom of the individual. Yeah, it's a very yeah, it is a it is a liberal, uh it's a liberal Western idea, and uh, and I actually think most you know most people who uh, there are a few anti capitalists, but the reality of it is. The difference between, uh, at least in this country, is very is very marginal between the left and the right when it comes to classic capitalism. I mean, I think most people understand capitalism like they understand Freudianism or Einstein's theory of relativity. They know I, the formula. That's about it. I think, according to Haight, who's a really smart
1: guy, I think probably less. I mean, it's really interesting because like – I forget what teaching company course he recommended. He's like, I started with a teaching company course and started reading from there. I was, you know, I, it's so refreshing to to hear somebody so intelligent talk about how ignorant they are, and yeah, how and is. how they made up the gap. Like, so I was just so impressed with his perspective on it, and it was really it, it was really an interesting kind of discussion about the nature of human flourishing.
2: Well, of course isn't even. I think the true sign of brilliance is knowing what you don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the problem we live in, I think, it's it, there's the the ignorance. And part of that ignorance is a lack of study. It's a lack of—part um, of it's a lack of a liberal arts education, a thoroughly understanding classic kind of thinking. Um, it's also part of the—you know, when you talk about the big questions and you live in a philosophical time that's metaphysically bankrupt— when there's there, and 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 that, I know that's a loaded phrase, but people don't have the tools. Now, for instance, I have been having this ongoing um, um, conversation with this young atheist, you know, an atheist in his twenties, and person who one time once believed but has lost his faith. And but he's a really an honest seeker. You know, I mean, uh, uh, he really is on the religious quest. And part of him, part of his problem, he says, you know. I am told that what I think is my reality, you know, in other words, whatever I think is what's real, but that's not enough for me. He goes, I, I, I don't have the tools uh, in order to answer this question, whether or not there's a God or not. And uh, part of how he and I got talking about it because he was convinced that he, um, if he just knew the historical backgrounds of religious stuff, that that would debunk Christianity and uh, that if you could just get, you know, get behind what really happened historically, then you wouldn't have faith. But the fact that I, you know, trained in critical thinking in terms of history and theology and, and still have a faith is a problem for him. But I think he represents to me a more honest um, expression of, of what he hasn't been given, whether it's in church or in his psychology class, philosophy class, or whatever, he... He doesn't feel he's been given the tools in order to answer a, the most important question there is. Is there a God or not?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're in a strange time where basically our controlling narrative is something like you should have no controlling narrative except for the narrative you choose from the position of autonomy, which it leaves you... I, I think in an existentially debilitating place because you have to make it all up as you go along, and I think that's a challenging thing because the reasons traditions in, the reason traditions endure is because they're able to kind of create a storehouse of values and questions and commitments that can adapt but enable you to sort of make sense of the world and and, and these things again are the strong ones develop over centuries and centuries and centuries so then like to not have the resources of something right. like that and have to kind of okay make it all up as you go along i mean ask ultimate questions like who am i right. where am i what's the nature of the world are there val- enduring values is there more than meets the eye are do human rights make sense like i think to do all that stuff without basically it would be kind of like if you had to go in to physics class in the 10th grade and just say i'm not going to i can't look at this te- textbook and trust anything it says unless i perform all the experiments myself <laughs> which which is basically it's it's interesting because you know all Knowledge is embedded in fiduciary framework. I mean, to right, know anything, sure. you have to have faith. Like, right. you Absolutely. you have in its faith in certain kinds of authorities. And, and and if you didn't, if you tried to be a, a really thoroughgoing skeptic, you just you, you, you could you couldn't do it in a society like ours because we're a specialized society. We're not a hunter gatherer society where all the guys and all you know know a certain set of skills, and all the gals know another set of skills. Like we're so specialized that you you
2: you have to make acts of faith and trust every day. Right, right. And it's a matter of, you know, where do you take your stand? In other words, do you you make, you know, you hopefully make a reasonable um, assessment of here's where I'm going to make my leap or step of faith. I think I mentioned this on an early episode when we first started doing this. There's a small independent movie named I Origin, okay? And I think it's capital I the word or so it came out
1: like two years ago, right? Yeah,
2: and um, it's a fascinating uh little movie. and The hero or the protagonist of the movie is an advanced graduate studying uh basically the idea of if he can prove uh the missing link in the evolution of an eye. Uh, if in some if you've ever gone or heard any of these creationist arguments, one of the things they argue is uh One of the arguments against uh the whole evolutionary process is, is the eye the complexity of the eye it doesn't it 's hard to understand how that came about uh through the normal um normal processes of evolution and the the long and short of it is um and i, I you really should rent a it 's worth or watch it on 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 demand or whatever. But he goes through, he falls in love, there's a tragedy in that, and uh, there's an incident that happens that's contrary to anything that he can explain scientifically. His lover, uh, his initial lover, challenged him in his atheism because basically he is a scientist. What was driving him, and he's a brilliant researcher, was he wanted to finally prove that God didn't exist. And there's a scene, he his journey, uh, at the end of his journey, he ends up in India. And he's talking to this woman who runs an orphanage. And she quotes a story from the Dalai Lama. And someone asked the Dalai Lama um, if there was a scientific discovery that um, challenged your belief, what would you do? And the Dalai Lama paused and thought and said, then I'd have to change my belief. And then she says to the scientist, uh, are you that intellectually honest yeah and i think i think that's um i mean I, I again that's to me an illustration of what it truly means to be a seeker what it truly means to be open minded to the point where you're trying to make your ultimate commitments from a position of intellectual and i would i would add you know psychological and spiritual integrity
1: yeah, I wonder though if what what if? Yeah, that's interesting.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's hard in some, in some levels. For instance, um, our, our you know Christian faith, almost all faith is based on some kind of it's on testimony. Okay, so the the interesting thing would be there'd have to be something that would come up that would change the testimony. You know, the lost letter of Paul, uh, a a fifth gospel that actually. For some way, we could prove that it was exactly contemporaneous with Jesus, but I mean, even the Gospel of Thomas fails at that. I think you can argue that the Gospel of Thomas uh has origins that go back to you know to the same time of the Gospel of Johns and the Synoptics uh I don't think you have to read the Gospel of Thomas as something that's outside of the broad the you know the broad spectrum of what can be uh can be orthodoxy, but for Christianity, there'd have to be something that would somehow. Question uh, the testimonial witness of the of the first believers for us to question whether or not they believed what they said. We still, I mean, the fact that the disciples believe that Jesus was raised from the dead doesn't prove that he ra- he was risen from the dead. It means that if we're going to trust them, we trust that they are telling us the truth. So I, I don't know how you would do that. What, what, what do you think?
1: My, one of my teachers in seminary, Charles Partee, said that. Like if they said they dug up the bones of Jesus, he just wouldn't believe him. Like could just, but it would be a real problem if aliens landed and they had the Quran in Arabic, then he'd have to
2: rethink some things. <laughs> or, or they had, or, the, or they had, hey, we have we have the crucifixion on film. Yeah, I mean these are
1: these are you know these are things that you know.
2: We used to do this skit uh, back in youth ministry uh, where the man of zenith shows up. And it's a pretty funny skit, but the van of Zenith shows up, and he's from the planet Zenith, and he's come to Earth because people are bored on Zenith, and um, it's because everyone has equal ability, everyone has equal intellect, so sports are boring, everything that people, you know, music, well, we all sound alike. So finally, they, the, the man from Zenith says, well, what are you guys doing here? And he goes, well, we're, we're talking about life and talking about Jesus. He goes, Jesus? You guys knew Jesus? <laughs> and, and, and you go, yeah, he he, he came here. Jesus came here and the man from Zenith Well where is he? What did you what'd you do with him? Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then the punchline of course is that well we killed him. And the man of Zenith just walks out in disgust.
1: Well, yeah, I mean
2: what is, What would van zenith do with this election? he came here now <laughs> I think he would just keep on moving, although if it's not dull it's a little although you know I don't think it's even entertaining anymore I think it's gotten a little pathetic uh, but I don't think one uh, one presidential election in and of itself is not indication of what that the civilization that we know and love is is collapsing um, One could argue that there's more people involved in the electoral process, both through Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders and if the goal was to have more people involved, well, then that this would be a, a good sign in this cycle. That it would. That it would. So here it is. You heard it here first. Western civilization
1: is not over. <laughs> don't don't listen to William Devane and put all your money in gold. Man, that guy is on, cuts Fox News commercials all the time, and it's just like I feel like they must just sit outside his house because like. One day he's playing golf, the next day he's doing something else, the next day he's voting. I'm just like <laughs> that team f- t- trying to like market to the paranoid, like post apocalyptic crowd. That and the emergency ration stuff like they must just sit outside Duvain's like thing and cut a couple commercials a week, just follow him around. There we
2: go. Yeah, his day to day. I'm not buying gold, but I did buy Ginzoo knives one time. That did that, 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 that information they get cut was...
1: through, they cut th- through um, cans, they do, they do, and
2: uh. The way I cook, I'm not the kind of person that should have good knives. It's it's always a hazardous thing for me to do that. Well, so Bill is recommending you get
1: Ginsu knives, but not gold. (laughs) Which, if the zombie apocalypse happens, it's probably more. A Ginsu knife
2: might help you out. Yeah, it might help you out. No, I I think your initial question. um, I think we're certainly in a transitional stage, um, and what. We will be, and what our what Western civilization is becoming. I think there are some huge challenges in front of us, and I and part of me thinks this is still an extension of the devastation of of, of World War One. I'm I'm not sure Western civilization as a whole has totally recovered from that. Again, obviously, it's it's one of the major reasons we as a country are the, are the top country in the world. Um, but I, I still think it's funny a hundred years later. Um, yeah, what that will ultimately mean still has yet to be determined
1: as is the future of all of our conversations they're open ended
2: absolutely, absolutely.